Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review hosted by Zeke Changuris. Welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga review podcast, the podcast dedicated to bringing our listeners, the artists, writers, creatives, and other industry professionals that are part of this amazing burst of creative talent. We'd like to welcome Koji Koju, uh, the author of the original English light novels, Do You Want to Be Normal? and 21 Days with Momo. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks. So, all right. Um, I'm going to start. You said, according to uh, your website, I wanted to create a story that put all these things into a blender and mix them into a fine literary paste. Uh, the end result was 21 days with Momo. So do you suggest, you know, putting it on a crostini or uh, some bread before eating um, or just uh, go with it straight in book form? Uh, I would say, I would say 21 days with Momo is more of a tea time book. Okay. Just put it on like a, like a crumpet or something. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, tell me about this, this, this uh, process that you have described. Um, so 21 days with, with Momo is kind of like a combination of a bunch of different things I was, I was interested in at the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm something of a, they call it a weeaboo in internet slang. It's an old 4chan term. Yeah. But, um, so I've always been interested in like Japanese culture and Japanese as a language, which I've studied over the past few years, um, kind of solo, like I never took any proper oh, lessons for it. I understand. Trust me. Um, <laughs> the struggle. Um, ironically, I do have friends that, that took actual Japanese courses in college. And I think I, I speak more like significantly more than them at this point, which is entertaining to me. <laughs> um, so I, I've been, I was always interested in that stuff. And, but as well as uh, for anyone who's read my work, they know that I'm, I write a lot about the American Midwest and like life in America and the different quirks that come along with that. So what I was trying to do with this book in particular was kind of combine those two interests and make it something um, kind of centered around comparing and contrasting the two. And a lot of it came from, I was, uh, I was in a long-term relationship with a Japanese woman at the time and she's now my fiance. We, we got engaged earlier this year. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, but one thing I noticed in a lot of our conversations was just the little funny differences between the languages and cultures and things like that. Uh, particularly languages, I think it's funny. Uh, a lot, like, I think roughly like 10% or something of Japanese these days is like loan words. I, I, don't quote me on that, but... Uh, it's there's like a significant portion but like a lot of the words are used differently for instance uh ice like ice that doesn't mean ice like uh, it means ice cream in japanese if you say so like if you go to a, a a bar and ask for you know jack daniels on ice they'll, they'll probably give you ice jack daniels on ice cream which sounds delicious but it's not what you ordered yes yes it <laughs> but th different things like that and I had actually uh, asked her to come up with funny things that she's noticed culturally or linguistically. Um, and she, the, a lot of the ideas came 
directly from her and I just kind of integrate integrated them into the story. Yeah, um, I, I know that from our discussions with uh, Katrina, who's been a regular guest, uh, she talks about how Japanese, uh, especially when it comes to loan words, it comes down to um, context because she'll translate words like lucky, not to mean lucky like we think of it, but as in awesome. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things that uh, she says it, it all comes down to context uh, when she does her sub uh, subbing work. So it's, yeah, I, I can see how they uh, loan words can take a life of their own. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, it's, it's really a, endlessly entertaining to me. I love <laughs> learning about that stuff. Is this a, um, a, in a way, a product of the pandemic? I mean, did you like find yourself with, hmm, uh, I, I don't have many options of things to do right now. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and write a second, uh, a, a second book. Um, I think this is my fifth book at this fifth point. Book. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's, it's hard to keep track after the first four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, that's actually kind of the opposite of that. Ironically, I was, I was working like 2020 was a really busy year for me at work. I, I didn't I didn't actually stop going to work like a lot of people did. I, I ended up working more probably. So when I was I, I but I still wanted to continue writing because I love I love writing, I love creating things. So I had to figure out a good way to kind of to kind of write while I'm working full time and you know trying to squeeze the writing in and kind of stay productive. So what I did was I kind of created this not this novella that's made up of a bunch of flash fiction stories, like little bite-sized chunks that are like maybe a few pages each. So what I would what I would do is every time I got like some spare time, like a few hours, I would I would kind of crank out a couple pages and um, you know, try to get like I would have like an idea that I wanted to base each flash fiction around. And um I would just kind of try to type that out when I had the time. And then at the end, I, I would try to, I, I put them all together. And um, some of them, like, I, I tried to keep a coherent, like, running story throughout, like, going over top of all these little stories. But each one is, like, a little, basically a comedy sketch. It's, like, comedy sketch format. And I can see something refreshing about writing that way. Because in a way, it's almost like you're giving yourself a, a different prompt. You're saying, here's yeah. the scenario write this from end to end without the pressure of, oh my God, how am I going to make this into 20,000, 30,000, 60,000 words? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it was really fun. That, that really was like the process behind it. Like I came up with, so there's two characters in it. Um, there's like the, the main perspective character and then this girl, this woman he works with, Momo, the titular character, who she's from Japan, she's fresh to America, and she's working at this Asian market that he's also working in. So he 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 kind of starts working for this company um, to pay off his car repair debt, which I realized only after I finished the book is basically uh, the the I ripped off the plot of the movie Good Burger. <laughs> Quite literally, okay. So the, all right, the I, I didn't realize it at that time, but the book in the book, uh, Momo she she doesn't really have any friends or anything. So she, 
the thing she does for fun is she rides around the neighborhood in, on, on her, her bicycle. And she goes out in front of him on the street and he has to like swerve out of the way while he's driving. And he like, like runs into like a fire hydrant or something. I don't remember. Um, but then like, I, I really, and then he, so he has to pay off his car repair bill by getting a part-time job. That's literally the, the, the plot of Good Burger. That's the setup for the entire movie is like the, the character who works at Good Burger, Ed, he's, he's rollerblading and he rollerblades in front of the main character's car and makes him crash. And he has to get a, a summer job. I had that subconsciously in my head. I did not realize until after I published the book that that's what, what I had done was I took that the exact it's same okay. setup. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that was kind of funny, but it, I mean, it works. It, yeah. it, it's only this, the, the, the thing I need to, to do to, to get the character working at this the, store. The, and it, then... it's, it's the, it's the meet cute for the two characters in a way. It's, it's yeah funny. yeah okay um let's see uh you you went about um you know, like you said you went about putting this together in like little snippets how difficult was it to connect those threads though um well when i write books i, I don't usually do like proper outlines for them i have like a kind of general idea of where i want the story to go and a lot of the times it will evolve as I write it. And um, like the overarching plot will change in my head to kind of solidify and, um, and I'll, you know, try, try to make it work as best as I can. So when I was writing these little snippets, it kind of, it worked the same way where it kind of took on a life of its own. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want these characters to do this and I want the plot to go here. So it, it really wasn't too big of a departure from how I usually write. The only difference being that I had a certain idea I wanted to communicate through each each snippet, um, but overall, it, it it really just kind of took on a life of its own, and I kind of, like I said, it solidified in my mind while I was writing it how I wanted it to end. Did you see it more like a? Uh, would you describe it more like slice of life? Oh yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's, it's pretty much it's pre pretty purely slice of life. Like, uh, I would I would compare it to like those animes, you know, like based off of like, you know, they have like the, the, the four coma yeah, manga coma. where it's just like a little sketch. And then they'll, they'll, when they put it into anime form, they would, they take those little sketches and they just connect them with like an overall arcing plot, but they try to include each one like that. It's kind of how this book shaped up. It's, it's so, but are there any stories about a principal suplexing a deer? Not yet. Not I'll yet. have to put okay. that. Uh, yeah, I'll get that in there somewhere. <laughs> I love Nietzsche, Joe. That's, that's one of the all-time best scenes ever. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. That and uh, I love the uh, the little girl, the scientist, and uh, there's a scene with her and the dogs. She like throws the gummy little gummy to distract them. Oh yeah, that's just yeah one of those one of those great series that you know definitely for <laughs> for coma slice of life story, and you're just like. It gets so insane. You're just like, okay, I'm yeah. just gonna suspend my disbelief for the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a show that sticks in your head too. Like it's always one. It's one of those ones where you you can you can reference it a lot. Yeah, there are so many memorable scenes that a lot of people know about. Yeah. Well, uh, so, one one movie that I do that a lot with is I don't know if you've ever seen Kung Pao. Uh, uh oh, I I know what you're referring to. Strangely enough. Uh, I just had a conversation about that the other day with uh, 
one of the other editors at Honey's. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of those movies where there's certain lines that stick in your head. Like, uh, oh, we trained him wrong as a joke. You know, it's like <laughs> it immediately pops into your head in certain situations. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It, and it's about making those little memorable moments. And, and I think in a story like uh, 21 days, you can, uh, by making them these little slice of life sections, people can find those things that, you know, they can identify with easier than yeah. say a epic overarching plot. It's harder to identify with Lord of the Rings than it is to identify with, I don't know, an episode of Friends. Yeah, or Frasier. <laughs> yeah, either one. Exactly. So, yeah, it's I, I totally get it. Um, so, all right, you, you've written a bit at this point. So whether it be like Pokemon or playing games like Fake Go or anything like that, you're always trying to find the right attributes um, for your character for success. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think the key attributes, if you could like level up things for writers what as a writer what do you think the key attributes need to be i mean for you're talking about for characters for your well, characters for your for, story well for well let's start with the writer themselves what do you think the key things a writer needs to have in order to succeed well i don't know because i'm not i don't consider myself a very successful writer <laughs> hey, if you can finish the damn story you are 10 times farther along than most writers that's true yeah <laughs> that's very true um well i think if you're if that's how you're defining success i think a writer needs to entertain themselves first and foremost because if you're not doing that then you're just it's it's writing is actually painful it's like a painful act to sit down and write out a story that you're not invested in yourself so i think first and foremost you need to figure out what what entertains you as you know when you're consuming media and figure out how to keep yourself entertained while you're writing that might be one of the best pieces of advice i think anybody's given about writing um, <laughs> is why thank you yeah it's just, it, it makes absolute sense because if you aren't interested in what you're writing about it shows um it, it probably shows a lot because you're um if you're not excited about it, how do you expect anybody else to be, really? Yeah, and I, I when I first started writing, I was kind of uh, self-conscious about the fact that my stories aren't really like other stories. They're kind of just like really silly and goofy. And I was thinking like, well, who knew, who's going to want to read this? But at the same time, like, I, I you kind I kind of had to embrace that because they were the stories I wanted to write, and the, the they were the ones that kept me entertained enough to finish them. So I just kind of thought, you know, eventually I just had to come to terms with that. Like, that's just what, that's what I like to write. So if, if, if that's going to be what worked for me, then I need to run with it and try to do it as best as I can. You know, they're not big epic fantasy stories, but they're, I think it's as long as I'm entertaining myself, I usually think, okay, well, this is, this is pretty good. If I can read it back and feel entertained while I'm reading my own writing, then I think that's a win in my book. Very, very, very well said. Um, so now, the, as part of this kind of attributes, do you think there is a formula to the story, to stories that um, make them make them interesting or make them good? 
do you think there are key elements that each each of these stories have that uh, or that stories should have that make them more compelling or less compelling? Um, I think a lot of stories, it depends on how well you can write your characters and how you can get your audience to relate to them. Uh, like they don't necessarily even have to be likable characters, but as long as the characters are engaging, then I think, I think people will go along with it. Like there's this, there's this movie series based off of like a, a manga that I've been reading a little bit on and off um, called uh, Ushijima-kun. And it's about this guy who he's a loan shark and he uh, basically he loans out money to people who are like drug addicts and gamblers and stuff. And he like charges them like 50% interest a day and stuff. And um, but like all the, all of the characters in the stories are like huge scumbags and unlikable and things like that. But the stories still manage to be engaging because the characters themselves, you kind of want to see what happens with them. Okay. And so it's, it's about creating uh, interest or. Yeah. Yeah. The characters at least need to be interesting. Like they need to, they need to catch your attention. You want to, you, you want to see how their arcs unfold. So even if a character isn't particularly likable, um, I think it's, you know, that's, that's, that's not as important as making an original character or, uh, you know, a character with an interesting story arc, I should say. Okay. So you know, we're, we've talked about writing um, and we've talked about what makes good characters. Um, but there's another part that uh, most, I find a lot of authors have a lot of trouble with. And it comes down to shameless self-promotion and marketing. <laughs> uh, is, is, so is, you think that's the harder part than the actual telling of the story? For me, it is the it is a harder part because I I can't stand marketing. Um, it was actually uh, when I was in college, I had to take a marketing class, and it was my least favorite class by far. It was painful for me to finish that class, and I to this day I can't stand anything that has to do with marketing. Um, ironically, uh, my last blog post was about uh, Japanese commercials, which I think are interesting for different reasons, and I can go into that later. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I can't, I can't stand, especially doing the marketing, marketing my own stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a problem for me, even though I, I love talking about myself, uh, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing it here. But um, still, like just marketing a product. It's, it's, it, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of, it, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain why exactly it grates on me so much. Well, um, it, hey, it, Though I heard, uh, I was listening to a great interview with John Grisham and he talks about like when he wrote A Time to Kill, it's, he drove around with his, like his brother-in-law with a box of books in the back of his, um, the back of his car and they would go to bookstores and try and get them to you know, he'd give them a sample and try and get them to order from the publisher because even though it was a published, regularly published book um, from a large publishing house, the market doesn't mean that the marketing team was going to make your book a priority. So he mm -hmm. went out and did it himself. He says somewhere there's a whole bunch of first editions of A Time to Kill 
probably rotting away somewhere because <laughs> the the trunk leaked and he couldn't give and he couldn't give them away so wow yeah so, yeah, I mean, that yeah. sounds about right. I, to, to properly market something, you almost have to be kind of a maniac about it. Yes. And yeah. and I just, I, I kind of just don't really have it in me to to be a marketing kind of person. Like, I, I, I like writing and everything, but then when, once it comes to promoting it, it's just like I lose, I lose the motivation <laughs> to do so. Hey, I, I can feel you because that takes a, a lot of, um, Stick-to-itiveness. Yes, stick-to-itiveness <laughs> is a good way of putting it because if you're not out there writing constantly and putting that work out there for people to see um, and then being like, hey, you should buy this. Uh, and that is, you know, a key element. And I, and I know that it's a hard part for a lot of writers because just because you're creative doesn't mean you're a creative marketer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's no, there's not a real good roadmap out there for that. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, it doesn't help that these days I, I even have even less time. Like I haven't really been able to write much because I've, I'm, I'm studying for the CPA exam and I'm working full time and things like that. And I got, got, like I said, I got engaged earlier, uh, earlier this year. So I'm trying to do like the K1 visa to try to get her here. And everything. Yeah. That, so I mean, it's been, it's been really frantic. It can eat up your time. Life yeah, I really up your time, and I always uh, give it give extra props to people who have, uh, you know, I, I've spoken to some writers. They get up two hours early in the morning so they can have an hour to write. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. If yeah. I got up two hours early, that means I'm getting up at four a.m. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah, and then when I get home, I am so and beat from spending all day with students yeah it, it's hard to get the energy going and yeah. you know and i'm also deadline driven and mm -hmm. since i'm doing it for myself and there's no deadline it makes it harder to do <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, I imagine you got a lot of other prior stuff to prioritize yeah but it's yeah so I, it, it, I, that kind of takes last last place i'm always thinking about things i'm like oh this is a good story. This is a good story. I'll write a few pages about it in Google Docs so it sits on the internet forever. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I find doing myself doing that too. Like I, I promised myself, I said, okay, no writing until after I finish the CPA exam. Yeah, which is going to take quite a while. So I'm not going to be putting anything out anytime. Well, I, I do have a finished, a nearly finished work sitting on my in my Google Docs that I am I haven't released yet. I'll, I can talk about that a little bit later. But okay. uh. Right. As for now, I'm, I haven't been doing any like writing for this entire, you know, since the the, the new year came about because I, I want to try to get this one thing, this really big thing, but I want to get it out of the way first before I start doing the fun stuff like writing. Dude, I feel you. Uh, you have to have basically two, take two licensing exams uh, to become a teacher in Florida. Mm -hmm. I got, I did the two of them. I need to I, I did two that are subject matter. So, but then I have to take this general knowledge one and it keeps kicking my ass. And I've had, oh, I've oh, taken man. it twice already uh, because I don't know math. How, how close did you get to passing? They don't tell you. 
Oh, they, oh, that's awful. It's pass fail. So I have no idea how close I got to passing. Oh my, oh man. Between that and I also had to earn six different certifications because for each thing I teach, like a piece of technology, I need to Mm -hmm. be certified in it. Wow. So yeah, my my life has been nothing but exams the last two years as I've walked into this foray of education here in Florida. (laughs) But you know, it, it, it is interesting. I think I do okay at it. I know the weebs in the in the school love me because I am the anime, uh, the anime teacher. So, yeah, <laughs> I give them a safe place to be nerds. But uh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you were talking about, uh, you did you did a a good look at Japanese commercials. Uh, what is what is it about those commercials that uh, kind of set them apart for you? Uh, I think Japanese commercials are really interesting in the same way that, um, like I I, 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 did, I talked a bit about this in my recent blog post. Um, you can find that on Big Curry Book Club. But uh, I think there's interesting in the same way that like old like 1990s or 1980s commercials are interesting, because basically you're watching a piece of art that was meant for one thing, but it's been taken out of that context and put it's now contextless and it has to stand on its own as a separate thing. So for instance, like most of the products that are not all of them, but a a good deal of the products that are advertised in these commercials are not available for purchase in America. So when you're watching it, there's no, there is that advertisement, advertising part of it has been completely removed. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just watching a thing by itself, like a little short film. And you basically, you're able to judge it on just those merits alone. Like, is this an entertaining piece of footage that they've captured? And then of course, there's like the differences and they have different sensibilities when it comes to advertising there. So like looking at the differences, uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining. And, um, it's just, like I said, it's the same with old commercials. So if you watch a compilation of 1990s commercials, like a lot of that stuff is like, doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Like, or, you, you, or, 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 or just the, the technology for the commercials, watch uh, stuff from the eighties shot in four by three on yeah. beta. Yeah. And <laughs> then try and put that next to anything that's out now. The graphics alone are, are very sad. Um, but yeah. That's what we could do at the time. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I've I always think of well, I've traveled a lot, and everyone's TV, television, like down to their advertising, everyone's television always seems to be at least fifteen years behind ours. As like, far as advertising goes, advertising or just quality of programming, mm. it's like it feels like it's much, much older. You know, they'll do a lot more one uh, multi-camera shoots, kind of like, it feels more like a soap opera style shoot than it does when you're watching a drama. Oh, I see. Yeah. It, where, gotcha. you know, yeah. We're, we're, we're very cinematic in America with our, with our TV these days. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm also a news snob, so I go around 
critiquing every town's news that I go to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh That's my God, why are you wearing anchor hair from the 1980s? <laughs> you criticizing the Chirons. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't. Oh, just it makes me shake my head. Um, <laughs> so, um, think of this as some friendly motivation. All right. Okay. You said you had something in the can that you may put out. Mm-hmm. What might that be? Uh, so it's not a novel or anything. It's basically, I don't know if you, you, you play tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Okay. Um, it's a campaign setting for an RPG. Okay, cool. And so like I have like hand bunch of hand drawn maps and I go about like describing the world and like the magic systems and all the different races and everything and I have stats. It's it's made to go with this tabletop RPG that's based off of old school Dungeons and Dragons. It's called okay. uh, Swords and Wizardry. Cool. And um it it's just a, a campaign setting. It's like magazine I, I like formatted it kind of like a magazine like two columns and it ended up being like 70 pages i think wow so it's 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 not insignificant um but the the problem with it is so i i, I need to get like some artwork for it and i need to find a proper place to to host it yeah um, i know there's like special sites for especially specifically for like fan-made rpg things but that's cool uh, um, the number of writers that I hear get their start from writing scenarios for things like D&D. That's like their entrance drug. Yeah. And I did do a campaign, a few campaigns with my friends using the setting that I made. And I, and those turned out pretty well. It's, it's been pretty fun. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I might, I plan on putting it out eventually, but I, I just haven't got around to it yet. It's, it's, it, it's cause it's going to be kind of a, an undertaking. But, <laughs> yes especially when it comes to finding artists that uh, you can get to do the artwork and yeah you know artists that you can afford because yeah yeah because you're gonna have to pay I've, them probably I've, <laughs> I've had to do I've, I've paid and patroned my plenty of artists in my day so yeah yeah but um just uh before we go um any you said you were uh reading some uh, some histories any particular topic uh so i got a, i got a few things um so there's there's one book in particular that i'm, I'm reading through right now and I, I use audible because i'm so busy that i just got to like listen to audiobooks while i go about my daily life yes. um so there's a book called days of rage that i was that i've been listening to and this is about the 1970s. So in the early, in the early 1970s, um, a lot of people don't even realize, but there were like bombs going off every day in America from like like a radical political groups. Like the Weathermen. The Weathermen, yeah, that's the main group actually that they describe that, that the book is about. He talks, so far he's talked about a few other ones, but the Weathermen is like the big one. Um, but so I started that and that's been pretty interesting. Um, the book it's really it's really well written actually it's very like like descriptive and it has like a lot of like flavor to like the way it describes everything even though it's like a historical book like you can tell the author puts a lot of effort in, into like catch you know 
trying to keep your attention and putting the images in your brain of how things happen. Cool. So that's the one I'm, I'm, I'm reading right now. Hey, that, I mean, hey, uh, I'm, I'm one for reading a lot of nonfiction as well as, you know, my copious amounts of light novels. And occasionally I read a grown up book. <laughs> a grown up book. Um, oh, I do have some, some other ones to recommend. Okay, go ahead. So there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with Doc Savage. Yeah. The old pulp, yeah. the old pulp, pulp novels. Yeah. So I, I got a couple audio, audio books, uh, Doc Savage audio books. One is called, uh, one was called The Land of Always Night. And the other is called The Golden Man. And I recommend both of those, but especially the land of always night, like as far as like adventure and sci-fi goes, that's like one of, one of the, my favorite novels I've read probably. That, that sounds cool. I used to collect the doc Savage comic books. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who put them out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I used to collect the doc Savage comic books. I used to have quite a, quite a selection of those at home. Um, so we can find uh, your work on Beakery yeah. Book Club and on Amazon. Uh, we Correct. can follow you at uh, Koji Kojo on uh, Twitter uh, to get some updates and to listen to your thoughts. That sometimes, so sometimes when you're screaming into the void, there'll be someone to listen. Uh, <laughs> all I mostly just post about like Japanese these days i just post like post about japanese comedy and goofy <laughs> stuff like that like okay. uh, yeah. you don't need to rent the event uh, the rage on twitter uh, you're in a better place than a lot of us uh, <laughs> so, and uh i i know you you are in the same category as me when it comes we're so happy that the barriers to entry into getting our work out there is uh attainable now um because yeah exactly it used to be you know i still remember getting i still have like three or four rejection letters from when i sent my first stories out to publishers before yeah. digital publishing and it's always it's nice to know that you now have an option because it, it sucks for a good story to sit and sit on a shelf mm -hmm. and uh for those of you at home who like to listen to stories like this these interviews with these authors and other creatives um, take time to subscribe and we'll keep uh, putting out uh, more interviews. We've got a nice slate coming up and uh, keep you busy all summer. Uh, if you have time to subscribe to WLNM, please do so. And we hope to continue to highlight the best the independent creators have to offer until next time. Keep reading. This has been a WLNM podcast. Thank you.